0: This evening's reading is taken from Luke chapter 4, verses 31 to 44, and can be found on page 1031 of the Church Bibles. Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 31. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the devil threw the man down before them all, And came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other. What words these are. With authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever And they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of illness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Let's get this. Train hard, win lots. That that was a little plaque in a um, a rowing club that I used to be at. And at uh, it just said, train hard, win lots. And as we're on the rowing machine, just rowing away, and then you would see this plaque, and for some reason it would motivate you. Train hard, win lots. The reason is because it was one of our GB rowers who had handwritten that, and it had been put into a little, um, into a little picture thing and put up on the wall of the clubhouse. Now, everything in the clubhouse was just terrible. It needed painting, damp coming through the walls, but that plaque said a lot to us. So whilst you're training, sweat, no matter what it was, train hard, win lots. And it's emblazoned on my brain. Why? Because that person had authority to speak to me in my situation. And we all want it. We all want someone to speak to us with authority in our situation. Have a look at that first verse that we read, or first two verses. He went down to Capernaum, that's Jesus, town in Galilee. On the Sabbath, he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching. Why? Because his words had authority. That's what we're looking at this evening. I remember sat um, last year at the um, Christians in Sport camp that we do. And one of the ladies opposite was also a rower. Her name was Debbie Flood. I was thrilled to be sat at the table with her. She's a two-time Olympian silver medalist. And I'm sat with Debbie Flood, and I just finished my rowing. I think, oh, Debbie, like, what was it like? Tell me, what was the experience? What was it like when you were out there? Mentally, how did you prepare? All these things. Why was I talking to her? There were other rowers around. They just didn't have the authority when it came to rowing. They didn't have the kind of the substance and the weightiness. And I didn't necessarily want to listen to them, but to her, she had authority. Now, whatever your area is, whatever you're interested in. You want people to come and speak with authority. In fact, we're desperate for it as a country. We're desperate for it as a world. Just think about the people that do speak with authority and how much we want to listen to them. Uh, Think about Greta Thunberg. She doesn't come in with these kind of, this is the thing we don't want. The person who comes in and says, maybe, possibly, perhaps, we might be able to. There's a chance. They're all a bit, a bit wishy-washy. No. Someone's come in. This is happening. This is the plan. This is where we're going. Why was Boris Johnson's campaign so good when it came to Brexit? Why was it so successful? Because get Brexit done. I've got authority. I'm going to do it. We're not wishy-washy. We're not having any more votes. This is authority. And people liked it. People really wanted someone to come in with authority. Or think about someone I'm really interested in at the moment called Elon Musk. Runs SpaceX, runs Tesla, runs like solar panel tiles and a million other different projects around the world. He speaks with authority when it comes to things and investors are desperate for it. Well, you want to fly to the Mars and set up a human colony? I mean, if someone else came in and said that, oh, I want to set up a human colony on Mars, no one would believe them. But wait a minute, he speaks with authority. He sent a spaceship up into space. I'll listen to him. I'll do what he has to say. And that's why I brought a collection of books just to hammer home. We want people, yeah, you've been watching that, same here, uh, (laughs) speaking with authority. Twelve rules for life. That is a multi-million international seller. Rules for life. Who reads a book about 12... I don't want to read a book about 12 rules for life. Wait a minute. We're desperate for it. Atomic Habits. Easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. I read half of it. (laughs) That's not a lie. The New Father. A Dad's Guide to the First Year. I want... Help me. I don't want someone to give me a couple of maybes. Like it's a bit like this. No. Tell me on earth what's going to happen when this baby arrives. The Mind of the Leader. How to lead yourself, your people and your organisation for extraordinary results. Boom. We speak with authority. We've got the stats to prove it. And then Mariology. The art and science of staying together. (laughs) Don't we all need some of that? We're desperate. We're desperate. Someone with authority speak into this situation. And whether it's a hard situation, a good situation, someone speak to me. And Jesus comes in and they're amazed at him because his words had authority. I think authority is this. When someone speaks, it makes a difference. Something happens. People move. When they speak, something happens. The reason why I think that's quite a good one is because when we come to the beginning of all of the Gospels, especially the Matthew, Mark and Luke, but John does it in a slightly different way, with all of them, The first thing we need to know about Jesus is his authority when he gets up to ministry. Now you find out about his love and his compassion his caringness for individuals however the gospel writers, all of them want to highlight Jesus has authority in a way no one ever, ever has. And that's how he interacts with the world. That's the number one thing you've got to realise. In fact, it's so clear Uh, in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew has more of Jesus' teaching than any of the other Gospels. And after he's finished his big Sermon on the Mount, you've probably heard of it, uh, Sermon on the Mount, he's finished it, and even in the Sermon on the Mount, it is authority. You have heard that it was said. But I say, not someone else in the past, not a great prophet, not thus says the Lord, I say. Whoa, that kind of weight. And then it finishes uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and it gets to Chapter 8, and he meets this centurion. And the centurion wants him to come and heal his servant. And Jesus, uh, the centurion replies, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now the centurion knows that Jesus has to love, otherwise he wouldn't want to heal his servant. So the centurion knows that Jesus is interested in individuals, otherwise he wouldn't have asked him to heal his servant. But the thing that Jesus praises above everything else is, Ah, you realise... I have unparalleled authority. That's what you realise. And that shows me how much faith you've got. You realise how much authority I have. Uh, all the Gospels do it. They all want to hammer this home. And Luke is no different. We have just started. If you don't know where we are in the Gospel, he's, uh, all the birth narratives take up a few chapters more than any other Gospel. And then uh, Jesus gets baptised. He goes into the wilderness, is tempted. He's come out, he's done his first sermon, I wasn't here last week, but it was the shortest sermon ever, just says, today this is fulfilled, and then sits down, and everyone's amazed. He's done his first sermon, everyone's amazed at him, and this is like a little picture of Jesus' ministry, a little mini picture of what goes on, his teaching, and then we have two stories uh, packed together about Jesus' authority. One is with a a demon-possessed man, and the other is with Simon's mum, who's got a high fever. Uh, The first one is, title, a round one knockout. Have you ever uh, ever seen a boxing match before? I haven't watched much boxing in my life, but my friend made me watch one. And it was this really long, epic, one of the greats. And at the beginning, this person is winning. Second round, he's still winning. Third round, still winning. Fourth round, and they do like ten, however long the the, match is. And he wins. That's the end of the game. He just beats the guy, slowly but surely, grinds it away and wins. And I was like, I'm not that impressed. What I was more impressed by was growing up and watching UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship, right? And this is proper fighting. And demonstration. demonstration, I will. Who cares about the microphone? So this guy, this is the heavyweight as well. So this guy is huge, absolutely tanked. He walks into this ring. And they're allowed to do anything to each other. The other guy is this, I think he's a Russian guy, also ginormous. And you think this is going to be one of those epic, epic fights. He starts off, referee blows the whistle and one comes running at the other. He goes to throw a punch, he just ducks it, jumps up and nails him here and the guy just knocked out on the floor. First punch, first round, quickest match there's ever been. Ducks a punch and lands one. Look at this, right? I think that is exactly the picture I've got in my mind of what happens with, with Jesus. No, just watch. It's, it's, one punch totally misses. The other one knocks him out. Right. They were amazed at his teaching. Look at verse 33. There was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. If you've got questions about that, we'll come on to that in a second. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You see, he's got a command for Jesus there: go away. Jesus' response: be quiet. Jesus said sternly, "Come out of him!" And the demon threw the man down before them all, and came out without injuring him. There's two commands. There's a big fight between demon Jesus. They're just meeting first time. What's going to happen? Demon tries to lay a punch. Get away. Go away. Does Jesus go anywhere? No. You have no authority over me. Evil demon, nothing. No authority whatsoever. Jesus doesn't move an inch. But when Jesus says, come out of him, the demon's out in a second. There's no big magic at the time, if there were people that thought they could do this kind of thing, they'd have huge, big loads of words that they'd have. Big sort of spells, if you like. And they'd have huge, big drama around it all. It would be like this big contest between the person and the demon or the illness. And they would be revving it all up and hyping it all up. And it would be this big fight. With Jesus, that's not what happens. Unparalleled authority. Come out of him and he's out. Battle's over. Battle's over. Now Jesus has this absolute authority over evil. That's what we're finding out. And if you're a bit confused about this whole idea of demons, they're actually not mentioned really at all in the Bible, apart from when Jesus is around. There's a little bit after and a few occasions before, but demons aren't particularly mentioned. But they are part of a much bigger story. Right at the beginning, if you remember Adam and Eve in the garden, the serpent comes and tempts them, calls them away from God. And once the people have followed Satan, God has a word for him. He curses the man, curses the woman, then curses the serpent himself. And he says, you will be biting after this person. You will be, he will be, you will be biting his heel, and he will be stamping on your head. There's going to be a fight between Satan and you. Notice, it's not a fight between Satan and God. To fight between on earth, between Satan and people, and within that, then demons are these evil personalities. They're spirits. They're not matter. So if you've got the idea of um, a red-horned little devil with uh, three prongs and a, and a weird tail with a pointy end, just get rid of that idea entirely. That doesn't really have much to do with it at all. But they are evil personalities. And you might be thinking, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure about. This demon thing, let me explain uh, why I think you really you really should one is because when Jesus interacts with them, he knows what he 's dealing with uh, of course they don 't play a big part that we notice in our day to day lives in fact they didn 't play a big part in the old Testament story. However, when the king comes, then there 's a problem: when the king comes in the story who 's here to destroy evil, then evil has a real problem with it. Then there's going to be an interaction between goodness and badness. In fact, have a little look in the passage. What does Luke call this demon? A demon, an impure spirit. And what does the impure spirit call Jesus? The Holy One of God. Do you see this difference? All of a sudden, for the first time in history, we have this evil that 's trying to destroy humankind and hates God and the holy one that 's what 's happening that 's why we start hearing about demons in jesus life. The other reason is my own personal experience um, when I was growing up, my parents fostered, and um, there were lots of bad things that happened to many, many people in my parents' life, and, and I started realizing that as you grow up around this kind of thing. However, occasionally you 'd hear of a story and you think this is so evil. This is so wrong. Yes, people are doing this wrong thing. And yet, this is a bit beyond what human beings do. Or where has this evil idea even come from? And you'd hear about it. My mum even, there's one girl who stayed with us and she just said, there was just something evil. Not not. My mum wasn't blaming the girl, but something had happened to this young three-year-old. And just something evil has happened. The other reason is, when I was growing up, my friends, uh, I was at school, and I was just going to go down to my friend, and he had offered, he said, hey, come to our house and we'll do a Ouija board together. And I was like, well, all right then, you're a good friend. So I went home. I was, I was going to go um, as a young lad, and then my brother caught me, and I'm so thankful for my brother for this. Uh, as I was about to go, he said, oh, where, you know, where are you going? Oh, I'm going down to Stu's house. Um, going to do a Ouija board. Do you know anything about it? He said, Phil, don't mess with what you don't understand. Don't mess with what you don't understand. That night, my friend was, at least his personal testimony, was running around the house for hours screaming. Now, that might have been his own psychological thing, but that was his experience, was after doing it, running around for hours and screaming in the house. Now, those are the reasons, personal experience and also from the Bible, that, yes, personal spirits that are evil are at work in the world and I think when you see particularly evil things there's something there's somebody else working through that that's what's going on Uh, now that is really important to say that that doesn't mean every illness or every mental illness has anything to do with Jesus in fact probably most have nothing to do with uh, demons but there might be some that do and if you've had an experience, in fact, we'll come on to that at the end, um, about um, praying about history and past and things that you might have uh, been involved in. But that's where, we're, that's where we're at. Jesus is interacting. And the good news is that when Jesus comes, he has absolute authority. Okay, let's go on to the second incident. Firstly, absolute authority over evil. That is good news. Second thing. First appointment, cure. Cure first appointment cure uh, he goes round to simon's house mother-in-law high fever we don't know exactly but that must be a medical term luke's a bit of a medical man high fever she's really ill really out uh, and if you go to meet with the doctor you often first thing just a diagnosis understand where you're at uh, understand all the symptoms and then think oh what's our plan to get you better and if you go into a it's highly unlikely going to solve your entire problem the first time that you see a doctor. However, Dr. Jesus comes into the situation. He bent over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Now, that's a weird meeting with a doctor. First appointment, sorted out. Again, notice, no magic performance whatsoever. No magic spells going over. No kind of big performance or hyping it up. He just rebukes it. Rebukes the illness. And it's gone. Now again we come to this kind of thing. And Jesus has this unparalleled authority. You'll see it just afterwards. Um, All who had various kinds of illness. He laid hands on each one and he healed them. No failure. Jesus never failed. Whenever he wanted to heal someone, he could heal them with a word, or just with a touch of his hands, or with the centurion, even at a distance. He just says the word and it's done. But that isn't always our experience, is it? It's a bit tricky. My, my brother-in-law, he's um, a hockey player, he had a really bad knee, and then went to the doctors, found out his knees actually have lots of little holes in them, and so they're wearing away very, very quickly, and if he carried on playing hockey in 10 years, he wouldn't be able to walk and play with his grandchildren and all that kind of thing, um, and so it was getting worse and worse and worse and then he had become a Christian, went to church and as he was in prayer meetings people were praying and praying and praying and he could barely walk on his knee by this point and then I think he might be healed and he got up. Oh, it's healed. So he's walking around and his knee is still now f- fine. It's phenomenal. So my brother-in-law's knee healed. Amazing. However my dad had cancer in the brain and it, it, no one, people praying all over the world. Thousands and thousands of people. More people praying than my bro- for my brother-in-law. And he wasn't healed. And that's the tension we live with. We see Jesus healing ev- anyone and everyone that he wants to. Even dead children. He could raise from the dead. And in our experiences, oh, that's not how it happens. Why is that the case? Why is that the case? Well, if we think... When Jesus came to do this, he wasn't only doing it for each individual. He was doing it to say something about who he is and what he's ultimately come to do. That's what he's doing. So in this, I now know from when he was on earth, from him healing, that he has absolute authority. And that gives me great faith. I know that when he says he's going to make everything new, he's going to make everything new. And if he chooses to heal someone now, He chooses to heal someone now. Now I'm absolutely certain. And so what I think when we're praying for people to be healed, what we should be praying for is with our eyes fixed on Jesus, saying, please, Jesus, I know you can. I know that you love to. Please do it for my dad or my brother or my sister or my friend or my cousin or my colleague. Please do that. But I do know right down that you have a plan to ultimately heal it all. That you will heal it all. Because you can heal it all. That's the good news here. That Jesus one day will fix it all. And he promises he will. And he's proven that he can. But it's painful nonetheless. For it in between. Now one of the things about um, uh, Simon's mum you'll notice. Is the strange little bit of. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Oh good job. She got in the kitchen. Made a cup of tea. Oh, well done, Simon's mum. Now, it's not about that. It's not about, oh, brilliant, now you can make us dinner because we've been looking forward to that. That's what Jesus did it for. That's not at all what's going on. What he's doing is he's freeing people to serve. That's what freedom does. When Jesus frees people, it doesn't free them just to run off. He frees them to worship God, which is often what they do. If, If a paralyzed man, what does he do? He stands up and he praises God. He's free to worship. He's free to serve. And so she's not going in there Oh, grudging. No, I've got to get back to work. No, oh, I get to serve my king. I get to serve Jesus. What a joy. That's what's going on. And that picks up, really, the big idea where all of this has been going all along. Jesus' authority is really, really, really good news. If you look back at the beginning of this or earlier in this chapter in verse 18 and verse 19 we've seen Jesus' manifesto. This is what we were talking about last week. The big manifesto. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind and set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And this is the first glimpse he's doing it. His big manifesto of setting people free. His big manifesto of releasing the oppressed. Giving the poor um, hope. Good news. Oppressed free. But how do oppressed people get free? Whether it's oppressed by evil and demons. Whether it's oppressed by illness. How do they get free? Is by coming under his authority. So often we think authority. If I could just get away from authority then I'd be free. And then when Jesus comes with all this authority, we think, oh no, that just is terrible, I don't want to come under that ultimate authority, I'd rather run away. Jesus says, no, that's not how I use my authority, I have ultimate authority, and yet if you come under my authority, you'll find yourself ultimately free, free from your sin, free from your illness, ultimately free to live forever with me. And that's why Jesus' authority is such good news. And so I have two main ways to apply all of this. Firstly is, would you come under his authority a bit more this evening? Would you say, oh, I your life, Jesus, I, I need to come under you. I need to listen to you a bit more in my life. I'm ignoring you in some ways. I, I don't, I'm not always appreciative. Would you come under his authority a little bit more? Submit a little bit more to him. Because submitting to him is ultimate freedom. And the other thing is, would you join him? Um, His great manifesto is to proclaim good news, release for the prisoners, sight for the blind, oppressed free. Now we don't have personally the authority that Jesus had to do what we like to do, to heal who we like to heal. However, we are God's people in this world to continue to be his hands and feet if we use it that way. Uh, To continue, Paul uses it later on. He says, um, soon Satan Satan will be crushed under your feet. And he's writing to Christians. That process of beating Satan, of evil in the world, carries on with the church. And so, if 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 you're a teacher, use your teaching to serve people. If you're medical, why not use your medical skills to serve people if they're ill and unwell? Uh, what happens if you're in research? Use research so that evil might be overcome in this world. Do you know if uh, a third of women and one sixth of men have been uh, experienced domestic abuse since they've been over the age of 16? If you're in social work, wow, one opportunity to overcome evil with good. Or what happens if you're a friend and you've got people that have experienced really horrible things in their life? praying for them and saying, Jesus, could you bring your authority into this situation and then be a serpent crusher in that place? To come in with the good news and the authority of Jesus and say, No, we're gonna get rid of evil here. We're gonna get rid of we're gonna try and bring God's kingdom to this place at this time. Oh, if we would all use the skills and the gifts we have to continue this great opposition to evil evil that Jesus began. And which Jesus will finish one day. And and notice how clear Jesus is about all of that. When we come to the end in verse 43, the people want him to stay. They're like, oh this has been so good, you've done some really good things for these few people. But notice, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. Because that's why I was sent. My good news is for all people, all places, I've got to keep going. And that's what we've got to keep doing. Going out, telling people this good news that there is a great king who's got all authority and it's good news for us. Let me pray to finish. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus with all authority. That evil does not stand a chance against him. And that all our sickness and all our pain ultimately still stands no chance and that he proved that to us. Lord, I pray that we would put our trust in him and that we would submit to his authority. Just like in the rowing club and we're rowing away and it's hard, we'd look up on the wall and we'd see Jesus' word to us. Good news of the kingdom of God and we keep going for him. Lord, we thank you so much. Amen.